Welcome to another week of the Soccer Thread Podcast. I'm Dan Schrader. I'm in glorious, the United States of America, champions <laughs> of the CONCACAF Gold Cup, uh, Oregon State, Beaverton City, Beaverton Podcast Studios, specific location. I am here. This might be the littest pod we've ever done in terms of time. Maybe not in terms of litness, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, no, definitely not in terms of litness. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty late. But, Even for your boy on the West Coast, I cannot believe that Mike is here. I can't either. I'm, the litmus test right now is out of control. Uh, I should have been in bed hours ago, uh, but I just had to be here. Just had to be here to talk about this with you. Also, Dan, I like that most people, when they introduce where they are, they start small and go big. And I like that you started big and went small. Um, it helps people, uh, you know, set that frame of reference and then specify. That was beautiful. It was beautiful. Thank you. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm half asleep now, so hopefully uh, I don't become fully asleep during this podcast. It's very possible. We're hoping not. Uh, we've also got Colin here. It's even later for Colin, it's, but less less surprising that he's it's here. It's tomorrow over here on the East Coast. We started this wow. podcast right at 12.01. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm still here. I'm happy. Uh, I'd just like to say, I, Mike, I, I'm not going to... St- rat on anyone but there were some side texts exchanged that you were not on where Oof. someone said i don't think mike's gonna make this pod if it goes if it keeps going like it's going and i said he will be there that boo is making this pod so wow just i mean cheers to you for being here to be fair that, the whoever said that i you know i don't fault them they're just yeah, they're just going no, off what they know and i honestly don't know why i'm here I yeah. think just the fact that my adrenaline is pretty high right now, just knowing I'm not going to go to bed right now anyway, so I might as well talk to you guys. The surprising part of that is that you might think that Colin was just throwing me under the bus, but that wasn't exactly how our text conversation went, which means he had more than one of these text conversations. I didn't say you weren't going to be here. I gave you a 20% chance. Colin absolutely just back-channeling with everyone he knows about this podcast. Just contingency plans, lining up people. I'm not at all surprised. <laughs> not surprised. Not surprised. I well, actually recorded a rogue pod right before this with Keevan. So classic. Backup rogue pod. Uh, Mike, hopefully that Miles Robinson adrenaline can keep you going for a few minutes here. We have to talk about the Gold Cup, the USA champions, blessed, beautiful champions of maybe the most important soccer tournament that is held in the world. Uh, semi-annually, biennially, uh, whatever it is, once every couple of years. Um, we even got an email just now asking for an emergency pod. Spencer, you got it. Although, is it an emergency if it was planned ahead of time? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm trying they to think. Still, I, they still send the ambulance. That's, you know, whether they, whether they knew they were going to send the ambulance or not, they still send the ambulance. And not only are, are the U.S. champions of this most important tournament, but I feel like also by beating Qatar, the current champions of Asia, we have absorbed their powers. We are now bi-continental champions. I don't it's know. It's a championship belt, championship belt scenario. Exactly. Yeah. We got both belts right now. And not only that, but we also have the Nations League. So we've consolidated the CONCACAF belts. Yep. Uh, and we've taken the Asian belt. I like it. Argentina, yep. we're coming for you next. Coming for those belts, baby. 
All right. Uh, the U.S. beat Mexico 1-0 in the uh, CONCACAF Gold Cup final. A goal from Miles Robinson nodded in an uh, Kellen Acosta set piece in the 117th minute to win it. Uh, big disappointment here. Robinson fakes like he's taking his shirt off to celebrate and then doesn't. Uh, you know, after Pulisic took the shirt off in his winner against Mexico, I wanted to see Miles do the same. Uh, was he on a yellow? Did he actually, was this smart that he left it on? I'm not sure. Uh, but I wanted to see it off. I, I had the same thought. And, you know, my initial thought was, well, this is just experience. He's a young guy. But he's actually older than Pulisic, even though he doesn't have Pulisic's international experience. And sometimes you, you you have to take that yellow. I mean, that's just a smart tactical yellow that you need to be taking. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, so the final... I think went both ways. Mexico had the better of the possession, uh, big chances, fairly evenly split, although Mexico, I think, had more shots, shots on goal. Um, but whatever uh, my, my scorekeeping app calls big chances were about evenly split. Uh, Colin, did, I mean, did it play out like you thought this final would? I mean, in the fact that... So Mexico, of these two teams, is the more talented experience well i don't know talented maybe we can argue experience certainly i I think the stat i could actually i have it on my phone but uh something like 500 plus uh, international caps on the field for mexico and something like 150 ish or something like that for the u.s so you know much more experienced mexican side um you know players who are playing at a higher level uh you know because they're more established in their careers maybe but uh, yes, you would always pick that team, whether it's USA versus Mexico, but you'd always pick the more experienced team with the kind of higher level players to dominate possession, right? That's just how that goes. Um, so in that sense, yeah, there's no, there's no surprise there. Um, I actually was surprised with the fact, with what you said, that the U.S. was able to create good scoring opportunities time and time again off some, some of them off really actually pretty bad Mexican mistakes, but um, I thought we'd create less in this game, quite frankly, like with, uh, I can't remember who the starting left wing was, but Zardes and Ariola up top, like that, that's just like not a, a combination I expected to get us anything. Yeah. And we got chances. So um, in that sense, even though we were being outplayed, especially through the first 65 minutes or so, or maybe less than that, uh, we were, pretty handily outplayed uh i would say the u.s overperformed my expectation even before we won the game yeah me too i mean going into this game i definitely did not expect us to win i thought there was a pretty good chance that we would lose comfortably uh that you know this game would be over at halftime and i would say guys it's already pretty late let's uh let's just get this podcast <laughs> over with um i'm catching like, my 80 percent not showing up Yep, yep. Get get that money, get that payout. Um, but you know, not only is Mexico like traditionally just have more of the ball, but and Colin kind of mentioned it, they have they had seven starters in this game who started the Nations League finals. We had one. And so like I think we can also get into, you know, did Mexico's players tire towards the end of the game because they haven't had a break all summer, which I, I think was definitely happening. But yeah, I was just not expecting this team to create any chances. I was also very bummed that it seemed like a lot of our good chances were falling to Paul Areola, who is not a good goal scorer. But, I mean, just the 
you know, it's all, all the cliches we think of with like U.S. men's national teams, just the, the heart, the organization, just like the fitness. It, it really felt like this team was, you know, kind of marrying a lot of the things that we grew up on with the U.S. men's national team, but was a little bit more skillful than, you know, Frankie Haydick 20 years ago. And, you know, some of the, some of the other guys who were like, yeah, they, they fought really hard, but, you know, they weren't necessarily great technical players. Frankie, I know you're listening. That's only Mike's opinion. I've always loved you. Look, Frankie knows who he is, and that's what we love about Frankie. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's interesting because I also actually thought that the U.S. did a, a fairly good job of sticking with trying to play through uh, Eltree, whereas, uh, you know, the, the U.S. teams of historical memory kind of uh, would boot it, would chase it down, would would try to win something, capitalize on an error. Uh, these guys, well, I guess you said maybe with a little more skill, but I think that came out. Like, they actually, they tried to play. Even if they were overmatched, they continued to try to play, uh, which I like to see. And I, I feel like, I don't know if it was the players or the coaching staff, but they kind of recognized things, I think, as the game went on. And, you know, sometimes would play the ball long. Uh, and, I mean, there are definitely also, like, periods of sustained heavy pressure from Mexico where we couldn't get our foot on the ball. So I don't want to overblow this as like we were toe to toe with Mexico. Like they, you know, the stats show them having a better game, but that's kind of always how it goes. Right. So winners and losers overall, I think maybe is an interesting conversation. Uh, Obvious winner USA now won two back to back competitive games against the CONCACAF rival Mexico. Um, Colin, do you think that's meaningful in any larger sense? Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, look, it's great as a U.S. men's national team fan. Like, there's no team I'd rather beat. Uh, I like that we beat them for silverware. Yeah, that's all good. Uh, I don't think it absolves the stain of missing the World Cup. Like, that's a different category for me. Or the Olympics. My, I mean, my uh, wife sat next Olympics. to me on this, and I mean, I'd, I would, I would like to be have a team at the Olympics, but. Uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. more wishy-washy, right? Like, World okay. Cup is the be-all, okay. end-all, right? So, since, since we're speaking on the Olympics, I'll just insert a tweet that I saw, which is that we had six starters who were U23 eligible in this game, none of whom were at the Olympic qualifying tournament, which, as happy as we are with the team and the coaching staff, does make you feel like the Federation is still in shambles. Yeah, I mean... Got, it's also got like, to take us down a couple pegs as we... Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mike. Euphoria. Thank you, I, mean, I appreciate part of that. It, Part of the, some of those were like not just because they didn't get picked because they weren't good, like they weren't thought of as being good enough, which is probably the Eric Williamson. You know, we're all thinking about Eric Williamson when you we hear that stat, but some of those are because uh, they weren't released from their team. Miles was not released from his team, um, or and George Bello also. Um, and then some of them were other reasons, whatever. But anyway, let's neither here nor there. I think. It's not meaningful as in like, oh, we're now better than Mexico. I mean, I guess we are today and we are this summer, but like it doesn't mean anything in this like long arc of American soccer or something like that. Like, no, no, we've been better than Mexico for periods before. Like, you know, we've been able to hold our own for periods before and, and beating them in big games. We're beating them now, but that doesn't mean in two years we'll, you know, or in this World Cup qualifying cycle, we should feel like oh we're better than mexico yeah. like we're not well and i and i think we've beaten mexico this way before right it's not like we came out and we had the ball 
60% of the time and we created twice as many shots and then we also won three nothing. It's like, yeah, exactly. No, we, we, this is how we've beat Mexico for the past 20 years when we beat them, you know, we sustain pressure and then we counter, we score on a set piece. And it's like, it's great that we've been able to do that two times in a row, but it's nothing really new per se. Uh, what about players that are winners coming out of this? Uh, some guys that at least seem to have a good final. I don't know, Mike, if you think they had great tournaments overall. Um, but really, these guys are a set of players trying to make their way into the World Cup qualifying squads. Uh, so guys like Hoppy, Turner, Sands, Williamson, who are your uh, who are the guys that you think have really forced their way into the the really the full team? Well, first of all, Dan, the great thing about team sports is that all these guys are winners. They all they all get the medals. <laughs> True. But um, in terms of guys who like are gonna, I think maybe be part of the full team. I thought Robinson was just excellent, just really incredible, doing a lot of little things, cleaning up a lot of trash uh, in the back. Just looked really really good. He also had one moment where he won. He he stepped up, won a ball, and then like drove forward for forty yards. Uh, and then played the ball off to, to someone kind of like towards the box. And it's just like, yes, this is, I love this. Uh, so for me, you know, the, the center back situation is still very unclear. And I feel like he could, he could definitely see time with the first team. Um, and then, yeah, I think Hoppy looked, looked good. Definitely a little raw, but like showed a lot of flashes. Uh, Turner was great. I definitely want to see more Williamson. It was interesting to see him start today. Uh, because he hasn't played a lot this tournament, but I, th- I think he looks good. And he is just like the coolest, like most calm player to the point where I noticed he was chewing gum today, uh, which I don't think I've ever seen a soccer professional soccer player do just like out there just chewing gum with, but it really goes with his, his personality. He is very cool. Uh, uh, he's on the timbers. I get to watch him all the time. I absolutely love that man. His ability to do things, that look kind of slow and smooth, but then you're like, but actually he was moving faster than that other guy that was clearly running as fast as he could. So like he's, he's very fun to watch. I don't know, Colin, what what do you think about guys who improve their stock? Um, I mean, I agree with most of, most of what you're saying. I think uh, Matt Turner has to be like uh, very improved. Like I think, there was an appreciation for him around MLS probably, but, you know, seeing him step up to the next level and, and impress again, um, I think shows that he's not like, we've seen guys who are doing well in MLS and then step up and then kind of just get their one or two caps and then they disappear. Um, so I, th- I think that's, he's showing that he's better than that level. So I think he, that becomes our third keeper, right? Like that spot had been previously like, I would say up for grabs or like held down by Guzan sometimes and stuff like that. It's like, no, you know, that's, that's over. It's Stefan Horvath and, and Turner. And then you can in pick, that order. Let's pause. And yeah, yeah, you can pick the order, right? Like I am, I feel good about Turner. I feel like he, I would be, he seems like the best shot stopper out of that. Group. Yeah. I think I would be comfortable with him starting a game, you know, it, uh, the, the world cup qualifiers with Turner, I, I think Horvath is the w- one of those three that I wouldn't start, but Stefan or Turner right now are both playing well. And, you know, it, it's, I, I'm not, I, I guess I, I don't also feel like on the national team, you have to have like 
one keeper who is the guy. And then if you mm-hmm. don't, it's like an NFL quarterback thing or like whatever, where you have to be like, you have to pick the guy and roll with him. No, I think you can be like, you're playing better right now. You have these two games next break. We'll see who has the next two. Right. So I think Turner's in that conversation. Um, and hey. then the other guy who you the only guy you didn't mention that I would put in there is Busio. I think he, he also showed same, same kind of thing. Like he's doing really well in MLS right now, kind of on this like, natural chart upward 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 and he showed yeah like he could kind of verified that at the next level at the, the international level and so yeah if he keeps on playing well in mls you can kind of say oh yeah and he can play at the international level um and he's a very versatile player so i think that also puts him in a conversation for international games because that's just kind of the nature of, of the beast there is that like guys who are who are versatile make rosters yeah like, Legit, whatever. He he makes rosters. So, um, yeah, so I, I think Busio will, will be a, a future guy who will make a lot of rosters. I think the thing about the game tonight is, you know, none of the players to me looked really out of place, which means I would feel pretty confident with, you know, them starting in a game that matters. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start this team or even any of these players over some of our better players, but like injuries happen. We've got, you know, a lot of games happening very quickly. And to me, it's like, yeah, if we have to throw in George Bellow uh, in a world cup qualifying game, like he's shown to me that, you know, he's up for it. Um, but Dan, I feel like you as, as the the most advanced keeper on the pod, I want to get your take on the keeper situation uh, in terms of like who you would start if you had a game tomorrow. On on this pod, uh, on today's for the pod, that's right. Uh, a game tomorrow. I so we got an email from uh, Raymond, I think, that just said he was not ever convinced by Zach Steffens that uh, he didn't think he was world class. That he's not actually in the running for being the the number one at Manchester City. I agree with all that. I am falling off of the uh, Zach Steffens bandwagon. Look, Turner was great. He's the hot hand right now. He's been playing. If literally we had a game tomorrow, it's got to be Turner for me. Uh, In the long run, I'm not sure that I would call him my number one just because you want to see more consistency, not necessarily better performances, but goalkeepers really have to be consistent. That's like the number one trait you need. Um, and I'm not sure that I'm convinced of that yet. Uh, maybe closer MLS observers know that he's been great over a couple seasons, which I think actually is probably true. I just don't feel quite comfortable there yet. Uh, so I think it would still be Zach Steffens. But uh, as Colin is saying, these guys, it's great to have a pool. It's great to be able to play the guy that's that has the hot hand. Uh, if one guy goes down to have you know two more that you're comfortable with, uh, I, th- I think it's all very good. Uh, the the one guy I would also put into that conversation with kind of proving themselves as a versatile player is James Sands. I, I thought he was a guy that I, again, not as like a super, super close MLS observer, but as a guy that didn't know much about him, uh, has been really good this tournament, has played well, plays in two positions where we probably need cover, center back and defensive midfield. Uh, so it's not difficult to imagine him just making a roster based on the fact that he can cover for uh, Tyler Adams, 
and Acosta. He can be that third defensive midfielder. He can also slot into the, the defense. Um, I think he fulfills some needs that could be very useful. Would not be surprised to see him around some more. Yeah, I would say Kellen Acosta also is one that, that looked good in this tournament. Um, I mean, I think that's probably already been said, but you know, he, I don't know how many years ago, kind of maybe two, two years ago, he was like, Oh, probably will never play for the U S men's national team again. Like he's, he's done. He's, I mean, he'll play in MLS for the rest of his, his career, but you know, he, he's not up to the level and clearly he, he can play at this level um, and provides I mean, the set piece skill he provides, like provides you something different and provides you something that's like worth like sh- not, I don't want to say shoehorning him onto the field, but saying like, oh, actually, you know, there's a, there's a value to Kellen Acosta over Sands, for instance, uh, even if they're both are guys yeah. who are just like, you're going to ask to do a pretty simple job in, in defensive midfield or something like that. Yeah. Acosta was serving set pieces even in the Nation's League uh, final, yeah. right? Over no, I mean, he's... I mean, he's top top yeah. level at that. Yeah, I mean, his engine was incredible, and I f- feel like he brought a lot of calm when he got on the ball. Which there was times when not a lot of other guys were doing that. And I feel like you know, World Cup qualifying, you've got a home game against you know a smaller nation. You probably don't need you know Tyler Adams in there as much to break up plays, but you will need someone to whip in corners because you're going to have twelve corners a game probably, and you're going to need to be good on set pieces. So like him as a as a sort of, you know, alternate to Tyler Adams in a game where we're going to be dictating the play a little bit more, seems like it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, the other guy that I think could be up for a winner here is Greg Burhalter. After losing to Switzerland back in uh, May, before coming back to the United States for the CONCACAF Nations League, since that loss in Europe, nine games played, 9-1. Uh, I think I just counted 21 goals, 4, and 1, 2, 3 goals against in those 9 games that are won. Two of those goals were uh, in the Mexico final in the Nations League. Uh, the last 4 games and 5 of the last 6 are 1-0 wins. Uh, is he doing something right, Colin? I mean, he's certainly not doing a lot wrong, right? Like, he's not... He's not doing, uh, I think, what something that we've kind of like, I don't know, depending on how the results are following, we can like spin this as a good thing or a bad thing about Burhalter. But he kind of just does a lot of things that make sense to anyone who's kind of like watching, right? Like he doesn't, he doesn't do Klinsman-esque like, oh, let's take our, our six and play him as a 10 and let's do this weird shit like you know, yeah, sometimes he plays three in the back and sometimes he plays four in the back and, like, whatever. And you can, like, argue, oh, I would have played four or three. Like, these kind of, like, small tweaks or, oh, it's kind of interesting today he started George Bello, who he hadn't really been riding with. Like, yeah, there's there's small things, but um, mostly he just he does things that seem to make mostly make sense. And I don't think he's doing anything genius, but... Uh, from that token, but also he's, he's not fucking things up and these players are delivering. Right. And, and I don't, I don't think, again, I don't think that means we're like, okay, we're nine and oh best of CONCACAF. We're by far the class of CONCACAF now because Burhalter has us humming on all cylinders and everybody watch out. No, I think we're just, you know, good. And we, we won a couple close games, but um, it's nice to not be shooting ourselves in the foot. 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like also just the, the idea of kind of taking a, a th- at least three guys, uh, Williamson, Bello, and Cannon, who either had only started one game or maybe hadn't started any games in this tournament and started them in the final. Like, that to me is just, you know, shows a lot of faith he has in the team. And I'm going to just give him the benefit of the doubt and say this is something that, you know, was planned maybe a little while ago of like, well, let's let's keep these guys fresh. Then he was able to bring in, you know, some subs about halfway into the game. Guys who had been playing in, in tough games, but, you know, they only had 60 minutes of, of running under the legs at the end of the game rather than 120. And, yeah, he's definitely not a tactical genius, but he's, I think he's done some smart things that have given the team an advantage. One guy, actually, now that I'm looking back through the semifinal uh, score sheet also, a guy that we talked about a lot at the beginning of the tournament and have not even said his name yet Darryl. is DK. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how does this tournament end up for him? I think he kind of ran out of steam. I, I think he's, you know, he's at, he's at the back end of a long season, unlike a lot of these MLS guys. And, uh, you know, he had played an MLS season into that one too. So he was like really kind of overworked and, uh, that's why he didn't play in nation's league. Right. Um, but I think basically, yeah, I, I, I don't think we saw the best from him. I'm not concerned about that. But at the same time, I think we, I think I was trying to say this at the time, but I think, you know, just general U.S. men's national team Twitter or whatever, not not pointing the finger at anybody on this podcast, but like a lot of people got too hyped up on DK just because he was scoring in the champ, in the championship and like for a team that really suits his brute force style. Like that Barnsley team plays this weird, like, soccer tennis style where they just like keep everything in the air and he's perfect for that. But like that, that doesn't mean he's going to be perfect for all styles. And, and, and yeah, so I I don't think he's that great of a player, but he's also young and, and has a lot of tools. So it's, it's not a big deal that he's not that great right now. Yeah. I think he also picked up an injury in the Canada game, maybe like a shoulder injury and the, the cutter game the other day, it looked like he was kind of favoring it a little bit. So Maybe he was playing injured, and yeah, I, I agree with you, Colin. Like, not not a huge deal. I feel like, whereas Keeper, it just feels like the last two months or whatever, we've just gone from we only have Stefan to now like, oh, we've got three guys who are all pretty good, and I'd feel pretty happy with any of them starting. I feel like Striker is like kind of a weird quasi-inverse of that, where we've got a bunch of guys who are like all okay, none of whom I really love, and none of whom have really stepped up and like, you know, Jossie looked okay. DK looked okay in this tournament. You know, Sargent's shown moments. But still, I don't feel like we have a guy who, when we play him, I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy can get us goals. And that's, that's our guy. That's yeah. important in soccer. You need to score goals. Goals win games. Uh, so those are our winners. Losers, obviously. Mexico here. Um <laughs> Mexican fans, all the Mexican fans who said the Gold Cup's more important after they lost the Nations League. Those are the the biggest losers. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, But, Colin, I mean, you kind of said earlier that you don't think that in the kind of long arc of the history of this rivalry that this summer is a a particularly important turning point. Uh, So... I think from the U.S. perspective, that might be true. From the uh, L3 perspective... This has 
got to not feel good, right? I mean, they're running out a team that should be much better than the United States. Uh, you know, whatever. All these 20, 21, 19-year-old guys, they should expect to win this final. They don't. It's got to hurt, um, you know, even if they finish first in World Cup qualifying or whatever. Uh, so, okay, the Mexican national team, <laughs> losers. The Mexican fans, not happy, certainly. Uh, but is the does that really mean that the real loser here is Tata Martino? Is he all of a sudden in a very precarious situation, Mike? You know, I think he was kind of saying before the game that basically if he loses, he thinks he might be fired. So I guess the answer is yes. I mean, you know, I think since they hired him a few years ago, he's only lost like, I don't know, three or four games, like a very small amount. Um, but, you know, we're getting to the business end of things. And I don't know, I, you know, it doesn't take a lot in the professional game to get fired as a coach. So I would still be kind of surprised if he gets let go. But, you know, this is definitely not the kind of momentum you want to have as you're going into World Cup qualifying. I would be very happy if he got fired because I think that would be a mistake. I agree completely. Uh, I agree completely, yeah. yeah. I I, think the blame here should... I mean, I'm not saying this is where the blame will go, like whether it's coming from the Federation itself, hiring and firing, or the fans, but I think it has to go to the kind of more experienced players on Mexico. Like Hector Herrera is a very experienced, you know, guy who's played at a high level, plays at a high level, and should be the, you know, savvy fulcrum of this team. And he does not play that way. He should have been sent off in both of these finals, right? Like, he is a liability and not does not seem to be a leader on that team. And I think at some point, if you're, like, I think that uh, the U.S., generation that did that had the disaster in Trinidad uh you know did we blame Bruce Arena yes at some level but we also had to look at you know Josie and Michael Bradley and say guys that wasn't good enough right um we don't you know I don't think anyone was blaming Pulisic for that for that game I mean he scored in that game but like it was it was the older guys who you're saying you got you got to get your shit together for these big games and I think for me, he's the he's the most obvious example of that on, on Mexico right now. Yeah. C- can I say another loser? But this this is also a win for us as fans. Uh, who I've <laughs> honestly like kind of forgotten about. I was just looking at the roster just to see like, oh, did anyone else lose? And Jackson Ewell started the first game and then it very quickly became apparent, as I think it's become apparent, been apparent for a while that he's just not good enough to play at this level against any kind of decent opposition. And then I'm pretty sure he just never played again. And I feel like much in the same way that like Will Trapp had this weird run in the team, you know, when Burhalter first started, and then they just tried out other guys and it was like, oh, these other guys are just a lot better than him. Like, we, sh- we don't need to play this guy ever again. And hopefully that is the case for Ewell because, uh, I, yeah, he's just not fast enough mentally or physically to play against good opposition internationally. Yeah. He came out in the 62nd minute in that first game and, and didn't play again, I'm pretty sure. Another guy that went into that game and then came out, uh, and we noted it at the time, was Nico Giacchini. And he got, you know, he played some through the rest of the tournament. So 
uh, whatever was going on with him in that first game that we were, uh, I mean, anytime a sub goes in and then gets subbed back off, you, you worry about what's going on there. But he seemed to have recovered. I'm not sure I'd call him a winner overall, um, but continue to play. So recovered at least. Yeah, I feel like he's solidly in the camp of like, didn't really improve his stock, but you know, still 21. So talk to us again after this World Cup cycle. Uh, so any other winners, losers, thoughts about this tournament? I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just happy, just happy and surprised that we won it. Right. Palmer gets all the credit. Palmer predicted this, this gold cup victory. Yes, That's right. Uh, I was not on that podcast. Uh, the two of you predicted we'd go out in the semis. Uh, as I was listening to it, I remember thinking, oh, come on, we'll, we'll make the finals. Uh, but then hearing Palmer say we'll win the final, I was like, okay, Palmer. You're a crazy bastard. Come on. You're crazy for that one. But there you go. Palmer uh, on a hot streak. I mean, that I feel lovely. great about that prediction. feel 100% great. Would make the same prediction again. <laughs> uh, I am trying desperately to see when we start World Cup qualifying. It looks like... I think it's in like uh, a month. I see September games... I think 5th and 8th of September are the next ones coming up. So just over a month away, we've got Canada and Honduras. Uh, neither and, of those are... And El Salvador. And El Salvador in that window? All right. Um, September 2nd, a month ago, if you're, or a month from today, if you're calling, a month and a day for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> uh so in the end, do we feel like we're in good shape heading into World Cup qualifying then, Mike? Yeah. I mean, I think even if we lost this game, even if we got smashed, I would still be feeling great. And now I'm just feeling a little bit better. But I don't know, to Colin's point, like, yeah, we still have to go to, you know, Azteca and San Pedro Sula and San Salvador and all these places that are notoriously difficult to play. Um, but, you know, going in on this little winning streak and, Knowing that you know we've got a lot of guys who can come in and do a job, uh, I don't know. It it definitely makes me feel like we're in very good shape. So um, you know, check back in in sixteen months for the we didn't qualify podcast, and we can talk about what went wrong. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know if I can go through that one again, uh, I will say one thing about this qualifying uh, winter. I don't know whatever oct. What are we calling this? The octagon. Uh, um, the, that uh, Canada is going to be a formidable opponent. Canada gave Mexico all they could handle in the semifinal. Um, what was that? Like a 90th plus nine-minute goal for, for Mexico to go through to the final. So I think Costa Rica may be a little down right now, but the fact that Canada is, is like really strong um, is going to make this definitely in, an interesting experience for the U.S., uh, I do not hate that we go to San Salvador, El Salvador, and San Pedro Sula, Honduras in our first two games here. Let's get those games done early. Let's take any points we can get out of them, and we can build from there. Uh, I don't want that to be the last game day needing results in San Pedro Sula. I'm very happy taking care of that this September. So just just knowing on those first three games, so at El Salvador, then home to Canada, which as Colin mentioned is going to be good, and then at Honduras, what's like a number of points that you'd be happy with? 
well, Honduras at the end. So you bounce back to home and then Honduras on three days rest after Canada. I mean, I yeah. would certainly be happy with five, right? Draw, win, draw. You would have to be happy with that. But you okay. could, right? I mean, I could I think be, that's I could be the, convinced that four is not so bad. The goal is certainly draw away, win at home. So you take five. I'd be ecstatic with seven. I mean, or six, actually, would be fine. Lose one away, win one away. That's fine. You, do, you take that. That's better than yeah, two draws. Yeah, you take that. Yeah. Uh, four would be just fine, though, because I do think uh, the way that sets up where you, you have to bounce back and forth, away, home, away, on very short rest both ways. Uh, the third one at San Pedro Sula, which is probably the hardest, well, maybe not as bad as Mexico City, but I, that's rough. That's rough. So, yeah, four, four you could live with. What do you think, Mike? I mean... Just the way things are going now, I feel like I need to get two wins out of this. We can we can lose in El Salvador or Honduras, but we gotta win win one of the other games. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like let's let's just let's push ourselves as a podcast on, on what we expect. <laughs> hey, I mean, ourselves. Palmer showed us the way. We don't want to push ourselves. Palmer showed us the way. Yep, nine points exactly. I mean, I, I'm not convinced that uh, you know. We're in all those predictions. We're giving we're giving ourselves three at home versus Canada, and I, I'm not convinced that that's like nailed on. On the other hand, like El Salvador, okay, that's one where we're like, I think miles ahead in talent. Whereas like some some of the times you go on the road, you're not miles ahead in talent. It's not like El Salvador is almost like an Antigua and Barbuda situation, right? Like it's it's only a half step up from there. So I think El Salvador, we got to get all three. And then Canada at home, okay, you'd like to win all your home games. So, yeah, I can, I think I can see that. But I could also see us dropping points at home to Canada, to be honest. I, I just feel like, I mean, yes, we could very easily, like, it's not inconceivable we could have zero points after these games. Like, that's not out of the realm of possibilities. But I also feel like if you look at our players, if you look at our recent results, like, I don't know, I'm just trying to think what, what are, like, reasonable expectations. And I don't think it's unreasonable for us to say yeah Canada's got some good players but we've got better players we're at home we should definitely win we've got better players than Honduras and El Salvador yes it's CONCACAF but like I don't know at a certain point I think we just have to say yeah it doesn't matter if it's CONCACAF we should still expect to beat teams that aren't as good as us yeah I agree that's not always going to happen you're going to you know go to San Pedro Sula and draw or lose sometimes but like the expectation shouldn't just be, oh, we're, we'll go and get a draw. And it's probably a little raw to say that since we didn't even qualify for the last World Cup. But a lot has changed <laughs> in a few years. But that's how you qualify is to go get some results on the road. That makes it a lot easier. Yep. Yep. Um, so in a pretty good spot there, I think it will be fun to it's, try to integrate some of these guys that are coming through with some of the, the first team guys. Uh, there were definitely holes on that. Nations League roster that we didn't love. So uh, space for some integration of these two squads, I think, which is great. Uh, Berhalter, for as much as we love him or hate him, seems to be making re- rational decisions. Uh, so uh, it'll be good to see how that all goes down. Uh, are we ready to talk about the Olympics? 
I honestly, these have been tough time zones. I haven't been watching a lot of it. Uh, what I know is that the women are into the semifinals. They beat the Netherlands in the quarterfinals in penalties, a World Cup final rematch from a few years ago. Uh, two years ago? Uh, yep. So uh, women into the semis, although I think not playing that well, but that might be as much as I can say about it. So I need one of you to, to tell me. Uh, I will say in the Netherlands match, it, you did get the um, story arc that's like a familiar one for for a lot of us, uh, which is that the keeper makes a mistake. So the Alyssa Nair, the American keeper, I don't yeah. I don't say like it's not a howler, but the second goal for the Netherlands, which is the equalizer that you know uh, sends us in, down the road to penalties, uh, you know it's on her, right? It's it's. She should, it's, a, it's a ball she expects to save. Let's just say that. And then she comes up and saves a penalty to you know, extend the game, basically, and then uh, saves penalties in the, in, the, in the shootout to win the game. So I, just, I do love that story arc. Obviously, we've seen it many times before, but I do love the like, keeper redemption uh, you know, when you get it in the same game. Because yep. you see so often, right, like, as a keeper, you become the GOAT, and that's it. Uh, I love getting that redemption in the same game. So that was pretty sweet. Yeah. It was it was a funny funny game because like the Dutch had more of the ball, but the US had two I think at least two goals called off because of offsides. Oh, um, yeah. a ton of goals called so, off because of offsides. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I think they were creating chances and um yeah, in addition to the howler that that Colin mentioned, um Nair also had like a a really bad flap at a ball that was called off because of a foul or offsides uh, that would have put Netherlands up 3-2, I think. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was nervy moments, but then she looked fantastic. As I mean, the whole team looked great during the, the shootout. So, I don't know. It feels like that was a, a huge hurdle after, you know, not a great start to the tournament. I mean, the, the other so story of that game was uh, Lynn Williams, who was the – was she like an alternate to make the team? She didn't make – the last team in, in whatever, the, their last major competition, the, the World Cup, and, and she was like the first cut, or the last cut, rather, and then was an alternate for this, and then they expanded the roster, so she got to go to Tokyo, and then somehow she starts this game. I don't really understand why that, like, why we're that deep in the depth chart, but whatever, it's clearly worked, because she had a goal and assist in the first half, uh, so that's pretty awesome, and I think uh, speaks, obviously, to the depth. We've talked about this before. I think maybe we were talking about this around the last World Cup that like the U.S.'s second team would also compete very well in a lot of these tournaments uh, because the the depth is just is so so great there, especially in attack. Um, so yeah, there's just kind of like actual evidence of that fact. We've got Canada in the semifinals. That's a great matchup. Uh, Canada obviously has some some great players. Uh, Chris uh, Sinclair is. You know, a, a Portland Timbers legend, a Canada legend. I think leading goal scorer all time international uh, men's and women's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so absolute legend. But actually, Canada has struggled a little bit. I mean, not that I've watched their games, but uh, looks to have struggled a little bit. Drew with Japan uh, in their first group game. Uh, Drew with Great Britain in their third group game and beat Chile. Uh, Japan obviously has been very good. Great Britain also has been good recently. This is a small tournament, so you just do have a lot of good teams there. Uh, so fair enough. 
Uh, but they have not been steamrolling their way through this tournament, uh, which is the same kind of feeling that USA has had. So uh, it could be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, that game's starting in just three hours, Colin. Just come on. <laughs> I feel like in, in an alternative world, uh, you know, we would have gone to the game tonight in Vegas, and then we would have just stayed up in Vegas and watched the other game uh, that is- on the TV. <laughs> That is a an orthogonal world. That's not just that is not parallel. Yeah, there's there's a lot of multiverses out there, Dan, and at least one of them. <laughs> that's exactly what's happening. It's way out there. That's a fun one. That's a fun one, though. I like that that multiverse. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of the bracket, the the two teams that also came out of the USA's group have advanced. So it's Australia and Sweden knocked off Japan and Great Britain, are which are the two teams that came out of Canada's group. Uh, so maybe some of these struggles that USA has had is just that they've ended up with a tougher group. Um, and like I said, these are all really good teams. It's a small tournament. Uh, it's great. Let's have every game be difficult. Might as well. Yeah. It's what we're here for. And it's it's setting up for uh, USA-Sweden, a little, little rematch, a little vengeance in the finals. So that would be really fun if uh, all goes according to plan. I mean, I feel like at women's soccer at this point, maybe this is that you're just a symptom of what you're saying. Like it's a small tournament, but like every game is a rematch, right? Like Netherlands, we just talked about how that was a rematch of the final. Canada, I mean, the USA has had a, a ton of history playing against Canada. And they've always, they've had good teams for a, a long time, and then Japan, they're yeah, Japan would be a rematch. Sweden is a rematch of earlier, but it's also a rematch of our history against Sweden. What if we got Brazil? If if Brazil had won this Canada Brazil Canada game, oh, we've got history against Brazil. Like, you know, it's just we're a we're a world power. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And there are only so many top and teams so that you can have teams. reasonable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so USA Canada will be done by the time you're hearing this. Uh, hopefully, we're through to the final. That would be fun. I think before the uh, summer of soccer started. We said that the Olymp- the women's Olympic tournament was the the biggest tournament that was happening this summer. Uh, I stand behind that. Uh, I have not watched a lot. The time has been difficult, um, but this is still this is the big one for U.S. soccer fans. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we get through there. Indeed. Uh, no emails this week except Spencer asking for the emergency pod. There you go, Spence. You got it. We're here for you. We're champions. We're Gold Cup champions. You're a champion. You're a Milwaukee Bucks NBA champion. Palmer, you're beautiful. Your family's beautiful. Mazel tov. Love you, Palmer. That's it. That's all we got. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. That was a good clap. Good one.